0: Hello everyone and welcome to Desks and Dorks, your favorite board game design and creation podcast that not only is shaped by you, but also brings you reviews, previews, interviews, and so much more. And today is just a little bit of that so much more conversation that we love to talk about. As you can probably tell, it is I, Riley Parks, the desk, to our sadly not present, Kyle the Dork. Um, So instead, today, I am joined by a technical I guess second um, time on the show guest Brenton from Let's Play Games and Hobbies of Hanover. Hello everybody. Uh, Today he's going to join not for an interview just for a little bit of a fun chat. Um, We were chatting a little bit earlier today actually that kind of led to this conversation. This was not in any way shape or form the original episode plan (laughs) Uh, but we wanted to chat a little bit about game companies. Kind of how they treat board game players, people in the industry.
1: Yeah, just in general like you know, what their modus operandi is, you know, how how they're going to perform and it, you know, does that help set them apart or make them in a little a little worse?
0: Yeah, does it and interesting thing is as we were chatting a little bit earlier it's not just big games it's not just small ones there's ones all in the whole range that kind of set themselves apart for better or worse
1: yeah definitely like one of one of my favorite companies is uh i mean as a game store owner and as a father is haba they're a german company that focuses primarily on children's games and they have really awesome stuff that goes from like you know, briley was in the in the store earlier and was looking, and he saw a game and was like, "Oh, don't they already have Rhino Hero?" And I said, "That's part of their very, my very first game's imprint." And he goes, "Oh, holy, holy moly! It's for two plus." And I said, "Yeah, they actually have a nice line of that that are for kids as young as two. That it's mostly color matching and some simple stuff, but it's things that I had for my son that started with just." matching and they have some really cool stuff in the box that helps build and teach the your your kids as you go so i've been a big fan of that company
0: i'm not super familiar with haba coming into the games industry so late in life and not having children or anything but it's definitely like well the rhino hero game i know your son absolutely loves because he's talked about it multiple times
1: yeah and it's it's a big uh ip not ip uh what is now Kind of, yeah. It it, but it's a big series for them. They've got four games with it, off the top of my head. There's the my very first games, Rhino Hero. There's Rhino Hero, the original. There's Rhino Hero Super Battle, and Active Kids Rhino Hero. So they've got four different ones, and they've all been really good. They kind of help you to grow and level and different experiences yeah, like through it. The the, my very first one, obviously, is for little, little kids. The, other, the regular one is for about five years old. It's, I always describe it as kind of reverse Jenga. You're sort of building up the tower, and you've got to cooperatively move your Rhino Hero up the tower. And then there's Rhino Hero Super Battle, which is a competitive game where you're building multiple towers, and if you end up on the same level... With your different heroes, you have a fight, which is really just rolling dice off. But, again, fantastic for kids. And the first one to end up knocking them down, not being able to balance correctly, is going to do that. And the Active Kids one is... I mean, I'm, I'm not going to mince words. It's it's pretty much, you know, that egg on a spoon kind of <laughs> game where you're running around. It's got a little more to it, but that's its basis. Uh, but the idea is they were trying to get some board games that gets kids up and moving too which is i think objectively a good thing
0: yeah i think especially like not to tie things into what always ends up getting tied in with these types of discussions but as a whole right now the game industry is shifting toward what can you do that takes up a room or like using the game board as your house using the game board as that there's been like four or five different kickstarters in the last month just for room based games yeah um that are all literally just related to okay if you have multiple rooms in your house this room is has a part of this and you kind of do it usually less than running around with an egg or more than running around with an egg yeah <laughs> but it's still nice to get that game that can kind of keep you growing and keep you moving
1: yeah it's re- i don't know it's really cool and i like how much they're trying to expand the medium a little bit to not just sitting there with the board in front of you, which. I mean, obviously, that's not going any away anywhere, but it's nice when they start expanding. I think that sort of innovation is a really cool thing. Yeah, especially with kids that age
0: that grow attached to a IP of sorts or the Rhino Hero thing. Yeah, it, you want they want to because Rhino Hero wants them to do it.
1: Exactly. So,
0: yeah. So that's a great company that helps to kind of level out and grow and develop you. Uh, that's We're going to go a little more south for a minute, just to get it out of the way at the beginning. Uh, one of, as a game store owner, I know your favorite <laughs> game company uh, to work with is Ravensburger, from what I'm told.
1: Yeah, I, I will be honest. I am not a big fan of Ravensburger. It's not necessarily the games, although personally I'm not a huge fan. Uh, but they tend to have, like, some exclusivity deals with some big box chains that we don't need to mention my name. <laughs> and they, I think, are kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm positive they're making plenty of money, but I think they're hurting the industry and some of their games that are legitimately good by doing that, because so much of board gaming is word of mouth, And you get that through, you know, a a local game community. And it's something the big box chains just, by their very nature, can't really foster. So by eliminating that, I feel like they limit the shelf life of some of these games. And with the exception of a couple, you know, really big hits, like obviously the Villainous series is huge, you know, that they're going to keep making those because that Disney IP is so good and then the theme is so great i think the game is fine i i don't know it's a little feels like munchkin a little too much for my taste but that's neither here nor there (laughs) but yeah i I, i've noticed several games that i've actually played of theirs that were like oh this is actually pretty good but they've kind of don't have like a big marketing push behind them they don't Get a big because they tend not to send out a bunch of review copies,
0: if any at all. I mean, these big companies usually almost feel like they're past
1: that stage, yeah. And and which for sure, some I get it, you know, but you're uh, trying not to sound too like bitter or anything (laughs) because I mean, it's it is what it is, it's fine, but I'm more upset that like good games are getting squashed because of it like i've noticed some of these that you know end up going to like clearance or discount retailers like ollies and stuff that are like why the heck is this here and they're going to them at the same
0: time you're getting them almost
1: yeah and like so by the time we get them after they've had their you know time with the big box retailers there's not a lot of interest in it because like it kind of dropped and then fizzled you know and With very few exceptions, it's hard to, you know, get out the chest paddles and, you know, defibrillate them. They're just kind of going to sit there until, you know, inevitably, like, "Eh, somebody randomly picks it up because I might have a sale, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because they're really cool games and... I don't know. So, I don't want it to seem like I'm just complaining that they have an exclusivity <laughs> deal because, like, like I said, it's it's fine. It's I'm, their I'm, business model. Yeah, they, they do, you do, you, Ravensburger. I just think it's unfortunate sometimes that it hurts some of their better games.
0: It can definitely, and like, we've had multiple times with my wife and I that we see, like, a game usually tied to an IP, specifically their Hocus Pocus game. Because mm-hmm. um, that's one of my wife's favorite movies. She absolutely loves it. So you know this game just came out, awesome. Let's go get it at Let's Play because that's where we buy our games. I'd rather buy it here. Yeah, that just came Thank out you. six months from now. Maybe I can get it for you, but it's on pre-order for a minimum of this period of time. And it's like, okay, well, we'll usually I'd wait. She really wants to play it. We'll yeah. pick it up. Let's try it. And it was fine. I wouldn't have been upset if I had picked it up here because we played it here. I literally we got yep. it in the mail. Literally that day, I think, we ended up coming in to play with you guys. It, the quality of the game is neither here nor there. This isn't a review. Uh, it was subpar in my mind, but it was an enjoyable <laughs> experience. It was fun to sit and mess around with, but... Of course. Honestly, I didn't feel like it was worth the rush. And we ended up paying, as weird as it is, more on Amazon, brand new, than it is MSRP here.
1: Yeah. So and And some of that is just... As things are a little more, because it came out, I, I believe around Halloween. It was right around Halloween. I mean, duh, that makes sense. And so there's a little more of a impetus to try to get it. And Amazon has a tendency to do, I don't know, surge pricing or something. Yeah. I think I think that's the you know Uber way to describe it. But um, whereas you know, I mean, that's technically more than it's msrp is and yep yeah i don't know
0: it can all kind of go a little bit around but it's definitely like going back to like the review copies and everything uh i don't know if you can call them a small company anymore but stonemaier Mm. i mean they are a small game company in the scheme of things
1: yeah but they're not a small game company in the eyes of anyone in the hobby in the hobby gaming industry they are real big especially i mean I can name several, but Wingspan alone mm-hmm. is would would make them a force to contend with. But they've got, I mean, Scythe, Viticulture. They, they've just got some, like, great hits. And e- even ones that, you know, weren't quite as well-regarded Pendulum and Tapestry are still, like, pretty solid games. And then there's
0: Euphoria, that if you want to hear neither of our opinions but Kyle's opinion on, you can always check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, where kyle literally goes crazy and it's an experience to watch yep i i
1: I got to play that with kyle (laughs) (laughs) and i I actually really enjoyed that one the theme's so fun and some of the stuff seemed like it could be a little swingy but i don't know i'd like it and I, i definitely i look forward to playing it again yeah
0: it's but they send like i mean we are and thank you all for listening as always but we are nowhere near a large dog in this industry we are still very new and upcoming which is fine honestly it's enjoyable to be able to see growth and to see people interact and want to be a part and to work with you and Stonemeyer sends us review copies which is really really cool of them it's amazing like I mean, we get a lot of small companies we work with I mean Solar Flare Games uh, for better or for worse thank you Dave again Uh, with Robotech uh was the first one that gave us a chance because yeah. they were a smaller company wanted to send it to smaller companies that kind of would appreciate the idea and the IP so it's it's great to see someone like a Stonemeyer, who is the top uh, a top dog in this hobby industry still want to work with new and upcoming yeah and ravensburger kind of like the it's the same parallel as them not working with the game uh, with the game stores themselves they they have an idea of how they want to do it, and it's easier for them because they can just because Target will buy how many
1: yeah, hundreds, I, I mean of hundreds thousands. of thousands of units and stuff, and and then they don't have to work with a bunch of either individual retailers or even distributors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely get that. Yeah, but
0: so now I know you said about and this is I know things have changed a little bit, and this is almost hitting two, I guess with. Asmodee as a parent company, but focusing more on some of its children companies that they've acquired mm-hmm. over the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of consternation about, like, Asmodee kind of gobbling up a bunch of smaller game companies, and whether that's good or bad, I don't necessarily want to discuss it right now with oh, that, yeah. but, I mean, I will say, like, one that I, I actually do really enjoy, even though some of the stuff they do can be obnoxious is uh fantasy flight games they make some amazing games i mean from like real big big games like the uh, lord of the rings journeys in middle earth and Mansons of madness that are like big app driven games to a bunch of really cool miniatures games like my god i i, I have fallen head over here, heels for star wars legion right now i'm <laughs> I think I've played it every day this week, and I just go home every night and I'm like, I gotta paint rebels, you know, because <laughs> you know, like, I decided I'm like, I want to, I want to faction with aliens. That was that was my basis, and I, I'm enjoying it. So, but yeah, the game's really solid. You know, X-wing is really fun. They they've definitely got a lot of that. That's really great for them. So, and some other games that they've got under their umbrella that are pretty cool i mean we got god help me i don't know what they want to be called anymore at this point um once upon a time cool mini or not or Simon or come on, come on. Uh, i'm gonna call them Simon <laughs> from here on out but you know they do some great stuff and i i think anybody who really knows me knows i'm a, I'm, a, i'm a big sucker for miniatures like i love getting my my warhammer stuff i love It doesn't take hardly anything to push me into buying new miniatures. I am just a huge fan. And Come On does really great miniatures in their games. And you get some really cool stuff. Even, you know, if they're not like a straight miniatures game. But, you know, you get stuff like Blood Rage. Rising Sun was really cool. Anka, I believe, is delivering shortly. I don't know.
0: They had a Kickstarter last year with minis, which it's also not even fully going into the fact that they do almost everything Kickstarter now because it works for them, which I understand their reasoning.
1: I do. I Again, not a huge fan of it, just because I feel like you're giving a lot of, you're putting a lot of faith in something like that. And I guess I always thought of Kickstarter more as like, uh, "Hey, we're 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 a scrappy little guy trying to mm-hmm. get something. You know, here's our vision and try to do it." Where I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody remembers when Zach Braff used it to fund a movie, and it's kind of like, hey, Zach Braff, you you can fund your own movie, can't you? Mm-hmm. You know, it, this isn't necessarily for you. This is for artists that or you know in this case designers and stuff that wouldn't necessarily have the resources that being said they make awesome stuff you know oh yeah and it's really neat because you're gonna get stuff that wouldn't make sense for them to do for retail i i don't know i i I waffle back and forth a little bit on like whether that's good or bad my bunch of kickstarters that i have tells me it's good but then my (laughs) other part is like well i mean if it's a good game you'll be able to continuously do that you know there's plenty of games that haven't done kickstarters that have huge amounts of expansions and materials that they can come up with after the fact and you know that way you kind of have to prove it in the marketplace i guess you know whether or not like oh this game's popular and mm-hmm. you you gave it a nice marketing push you've designed it to to a t so it's a solid game and you can help build a community around it making it worthwhile to produce these expansions and then you've got something like i'll, I'll use marvel united because the x-men one just ended recently ish yep. and like yeah, you're not – You pro- they probably wouldn't sell that many enough to, like, make those expansions. But I guess I kind of wonder, like, is it a good enough game at that point? Or are you just selling, like, a, a fancy collectible? Which mm-hmm. is fine. I, I Again, I have bought <laughs> many of those fancy collectibles. I just – is that the best thing for the game or – or would it be better to try to continually do this? And I realize it takes ta- time and there's delayed gratification, which is something I, I don't think most people like. No, and you, it's definitely it's nice to be able to
0: get that overhead and know you have the overhead. Um, as, uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our most recent episode, uh, the part two of the anniversary episode where I actually interview Kyle – Uh, And we, at this point, hopefully, it's common knowledge for you. And if it's not, then you should go back and listen to this. But where we reveal the fact that we are going to be kickstarting a game beginning of twenty twenty two, it's it's very much something that it's great to be able to know if you have that overhead or not before you
1: get deep into production. And I, I will say, like as a business owner, it's it's scary going out on a limb like that. You know, I mean, and that's why I think like a model like Kickstarter is really cool. So, I, like I said, I kind of waffle on it, you know, because there is the, pers- you know, me personally that's like, ooh, I want minis, mm-hmm. and, you know, I want big stuff. But then the other part that's like, is it better for the community to yeah. let it more organically? And if it doesn't ever pick up, then you don't have $750 worth of, you know, Marvel United X-Men stuff yeah. sitting around and you're like, ah, crap.
0: What am I doing with these? I can sell them for a dollar, a mini, maybe, at a yard sale. Yeah, style.
1: and and they're also minis. The, the little chibi styles and stuff, if you haven't looked at them, definitely. They're, they're cool. And I haven't actually played the game of Marvel United, so I can't say for sure whether or not the game's quality. But, like, I think it, I do sort of feel like it might have been better to let it go organically and mm-hmm. let that community... Get built around it, because that's something that you could have a gaming community that lasts for years and years and years off of it. That keep buying, and keep it stocked in
0: shelves, keep yeah, reprodu- and- reproductions and re, um, re-releases re of it. Yeah. And they also, I've noticed, on uh, does a lot of, and I'm sure this hurts you more, they do like minis in the Kickstarter and cardboard... Because, yeah. like, they did that with the – and, I mean, we got it because this is another property my wife loves. I do enjoy games myself sometimes, I swear. <laughs> um, but they did this – well, it was, like, a three-part Kickstarter last year. It was the Looney Tunes and Teen Titans Go, like, Mayhem. It almost looks like a weird unmatched thing. Yeah. But then they have the Scooby-Doo. Yep. So – and the Scooby-Doo board game, of course, we immediately were like, okay, apparently it's going to come with some minis if you buy it retail. But if you do the Kickstarter, you get a – mini or a, a mystery machine mini and you get like seven different minis and all the different creatures from the original series as miniatures so it's like
1: yeah i we need those collectible toys because they'll be really That's, cool on absolutely. the shelf and like i will say you know i sure that sucks for me as a retailer but like i actually kind of dig when they do stuff like that because in a lot of ways um they're not every game needs a mini as much Mm -hmm. as I'm a huge fan of miniatures. Some of them I get, uh, I'm like, boy, this feels overproduced. So like, uh, I will, and I'm not calling out this game. I actually really like it. I just think it cost about twice as much as it should have for the game. I got, but, uh, vengeance, it had minis for everything. And boy, I would have been fine with the tokens, for most of these like sure the heroes and the uh bosses yeah do some minis sure but you know drop it it was a hundred dollar game but I guess I sort of thought it was a fifty dollar game disguised in a hundred dollar box because of these you know sort of subpar minis and at some point that's not good for anybody you know because I think the game would have sold more units, and I, I mean it was a successful game, and I'm not trying to say it was a bad game by any means, just a little overproduced. Mm-hmm. And I think I could, I, I mean, I would probably stock that game if it was a fifty dollar game because I, I believe in it. For that, it's hard to push a hundred dollar game on somebody that's you know something that doesn't have the oomph. Mm-hmm. To back it up like that If and... it's not proven and it's not like Like we were talking
0: about the I'm trying to remember the name of the game It was a space oriented tile laying Oh, Xayah but...
1: Legends of the Drift System It's yeah. really
0: good That's an $85 game and normally Bretton knows that I will spend money on games But I usually do it in small doses Yeah I'll buy like 5 or 6 cheaper games That end up being a lot more expensive but I don't usually buy one at a time bigger boxes. Yeah. Unless it's like Lord of the Rings or something, you know, an IP yeah. or something that grabs you. So it's definitely hard to justify it on an unknown name with that pricing unless you have somebody telling you it's good.
1: Yeah, and it, that is a really cool thing about it, yeah. having, you know, a community. Because I, I even found out about that through one of our uh, other customers. Uh, hi, Matt, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he told me about it i had heard a good review about it from uh, the 3 minute board game reviews youtube channel i really like him and i was like oh i'm interested and then we played it and i'm like this is this is where it's at i really like this one we're yeah. stocking without question yeah exactly and it got me into let's let's bring it around to companies again mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> oh yeah we'll get there uh, but uh, the game the game company far off games i it made me Look into them, which I hadn't really, and that got me one of, like, the games I've been playing a lot lately that I've really been enjoying. It's called Tavaru'a. It's, uh, the theme is actually, like, a surfing competition, which I was like, wow, that's unique, you know? Is that by the same... Yeah, that's by the people who do Zia Legends of the Drift System. Interesting. And, I don't know, I really like that... That's one that the, uh, theme and the mechanics feel really, really married together well. I like it a lot, so... It's exciting when you can kind of, you know, hit those, like, weird little connections. (laughs) And we went on, and that's, you know, been one of the games I've been playing a lot in 2021.
0: I was going to say, like, I think I've seen you play it four or five different times when I've came in here. Yeah.
1: And we have talked before
0: about the fact that you would not have just picked up a surfboarding game otherwise.
1: Yeah, but because it had that, that company behind it that I knew had made a quality product, and... You know, it made it worthwhile for me to give it a shot, and you know, and then I can hopefully tell you know some some of you folks that you know it's it's good and you should try it because I, it's weird, but I mean sometimes weird's not
0: bad. So. I would I still need to play it. I would love to play because I'm hydrophobic. So like the idea yeah. of surfing, terrifying. The idea of surfing surfing in a board game. It's like the same reason Aquaman's my favorite superhero. You live through the experience in a thing that yeah. you cannot normally do. <laughs> you know, um, speaking of experience in a completely different side, and I don't even know if you're really aware of this. It doesn't really, as a store owner, doesn't help or affect as much. But obviously, like board game uh, arena and tabletop simulator and everything have been big mm-hmm. over the last year and a half for obvious reasons. Yes. <laughs> oink games i think it Mm -hmm. is they make like the fake artist goes to new york they have a
1: couple different games yeah insider flotsam fight and masked men which i've got coming in the store soon that is about mexican wrestlers i was like all right that's enough i'm ordering some of those sold so (laughs) check out let's play
0: games and hobbies in hanover if you're local it'll be (laughs) in within the next couple weeks i presume should should be wednesday Uh, there you go so it'll be in literally before this show goes up On this coming Friday. So there you go. Um, But they have, is it Deep Sea Adventure? I think Uh, it's called. Yes, I believe that. They have Deep Sea Adventure and Startups, I believe. Yes. They currently have a, going back to Kickstarter, they have a Kickstarter right now. Mm -hmm. Because they are bringing a Oink Games only board game arena style experience to the Nintendo Switch. Interesting. Yep, And they're also, if they hit funding goals, they want to bring it to mobile and PC. Yeah. But they're starting it for the Switch. Yeah. And from I was looking it up actually literally while I was sitting in the game store before we started recording. Um, and I was kind of killing time where Brenton was getting some stuff together and browsing through Kickstarter, as one does, and yeah. came across it. And then I was out on the floor and saw the Oink games. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see a game company that... Literally, they're, apparently they're a Japanese game company. I didn't know anything about them, but, like, their entire Kickstarter is left and right sided of the left is um, English and the right is all Japanese.
1: Yeah. But
0: it's literally like, you know, they're bringing these games that they know people enjoy and that can be hard to play into an experience you can bring on the go. Yeah. And you can still do local play. So, say, you don't have the copy of the board game, but you're with friends, you can still play it there, which again takes a little bit away from you guys, but it's awesome to have that experience on the Nintendo Switch. Or on your phone. Because right now, like, it's all computer
1: oriented. Yeah. There's Yeah, it really is. I mean
0: Tabletopia has an app.
1: Yeah. But it's and like the Switch has actually been pretty good about getting some adaptations of board games. Like I know they have like don't they have wingspan? I'm pretty sure they have wingspan. I know they have Raiders of the North Sea, which Man, chef's kiss on that one. It's great. I've neither played the game nor seen it on the Switch, but... Yeah, it, it looks real good, I mean. So, but yeah, they switch. the Switch seems to be doing, like, kind of knocking it out of the park with some of those. Yeah, so that's just a great... It's a great way of seeing
0: a game company kind of going back around a little bit of what we previously talked about, taking advantage of a system for something unique. Yeah. They're not just using it as a cash farm, they're using it as... This isn't something we'd release otherwise. I yeah. I mean, they ra- they're they raising like $100,000, I think, was their yeah. minimum goal. And they beat it pretty quickly, of course, because yeah. that's not a surprise. But it's, you know, and each goal you hit, the next goal, I think, is a different game of theirs. And like three or four goals away is Fake Artists Goes to New York, which yep. is honestly like the first game that I recognized by them. Because yeah. that's the only <laughs> – because it's literally there's one sitting in the um, – the game, the play copies, I don't remember your exact name, the game library, um, there's literally one sitting, like, on that corner of the shelf that always stares at me in the chair that I sit in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, it's,
0: it's literally, like, I see that, and I'm like, oh, I know that company, I've seen this company yeah.
1: before. For those who don't know, they, they tend to focus on very small box games, they're like, I don't know what I'm about like six inches tall i would like. say they're
0: about s- they're smaller than a red bull can or like a coke can they're like, yeah. like a 12 ounce can almost
1: yeah just about and like which is a really cool niche to have they fit a lot of a lot of bang for your buck in there like some people get like tor- turned off because they're msrp is usually around 20 to 25 somewhere in there and people are like that's so small but there's a lot of game in that little box and that's kind of been their their
0: niche that they've taken very much a thing that thrives in a game store environment that builds the community and lets you chat.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, There's it's interesting to see how different companies hit differently. I mean, and of course, those of you that have listened to us or watched us know that we traditionally partner with the smaller ones, like Buddy Pal Games that goes through mm-hmm. Kickstarter, obviously Solar Flare that I called out earlier. There's so many, I can't even list all of them. But, like, it's interesting to see these games grow and the communities that are built In the passion by the people that run it and like even like Jamie Stegmeier is still he is so hugely in the community. When we got a review copy, I sent the email back to the generic email. Just assuming, you know, like it would get lost in translation. And Jamie straight up emailed back and was like, Awesome, I'm glad to hear you guys have it. We look forward to hearing about the content. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lot, but it's still the fact that I can based on the things you see, like he does the weekly or Whatever live streams or whatever, like that's mm-hmm. the type of thing that he does. Yeah. So it's great to see a game company that still cares about its community.
1: Yeah, unlike Definitely. certain other ones. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, while we're shouting out some uh, some game designers too, I'd like to I'd like to throw one to Eric Lang since we were talking about Simon a little earlier. He's he's done a lot of those really enjoy Eric Lang games and i've had a, a an opportunity to meet him a couple times at conventions and he's a a really solid guy so yeah i would definitely what all games does he have uh so he he's done the song of ice and fire miniatures games oh which
0: we just got to witness you play the other day
1: yeah so that's one i really like um he he's one that like there's like half of these games i end up looking at i i like <laughs> maybe need to take a second to you're
0: all good so while you look that up i'm actually gonna shift slate track since you brought up song of ice and fire the miniature war game there's actually like osprey games yeah that brings out they have so many different settings and so many different uh rule ideologies of war gaming that are so easily accessible most of their rule books are really good priced a lot of them, you bring your own minis so you can use what you have. Yeah. As well as they have, is it Undaunted? Yes. That's a card-based war game.
1: Yeah, it's a deck, like two-player deck-building war game. It's super cool.
0: Yeah, like, it's great to see a game, a company that takes what they love, war gaming, and makes it so that it can be as massly seen as possible without fully diluting it. I mean, Osprey Games is the reason that Mike Hutchinson... Release, it was able to fully release and then get the re-release the updated uh, refueled version of Gaslands that I have been bringing up so much recently because we're starting wargaming up safely at Let's Play and one day I will play my game of Gaslands because I get to chop up Hot Wheels cars and make them into taco trucks. <laughs> one day that will happen.
1: We'll 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 get it done. But so Eric Lang, by the way, I I just didn't want to speak out of turn with some of them, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's he's got some great ones like Blood Rage, done Bloodborne the Card Game, The Others, which was a really cool one, um, Arcadia Quest, Victorian Masterminds, Rising Sun, Cthulhu Death May Die, I, I mean, and Chaos in the Old World is like, you know, one of his like, big, probably the one that, you know, he like started and got his name on the map and everything, so... He's, he's a really great designer and a great guy. So. Awesome. Well, definitely
0: shout out to them. Um, and it's kind of great to get a chance to reflect and look at some of the different companies and designers in the industry. Because usually, unless you're really deep into it and you interact with the companies, you yeah, you think like Renegade. Yeah. You think, oh, I, yeah, I've seen the Renegade logo in literally almost half the games that I look at. But you don't really think about Renegade. Hasbro, even. Yeah. Avalon Hill. Like... Those games are really important. Say what you will about Parker Brothers. Say what you will about... Mattel. Going back to Parker Brothers. Say what you will about Monopoly. But, like, these are yeah. t- the types of things that help... Because they exist, they give the option for other games to exist because of them. Absolutely. Base,
1: like, yeah, like, that's another thing we were talking about earlier was just, you know, like, I like to refer to them as foundation games, which... Again, I mentioned uh, three-minute board game reviews earlier. This is something I'm 100% stealing from Jay from Three-Minute Board Games <laughs> here, but I really liked it. Uh, calling them foundation games instead of the you know, the more pejorative like gateway games, as if like ah oh, we get to bypass these. No, they're foundations. You you can build off of them, but they are sh- solid and strong games. I mean, there's a reason Ticket to Ride and Catan have a bunch of expansions and they're, they are good games for me. I don't, they tend to not be ones that I go to very often in part because I played Ticket to Ride a ton. I embarrassingly have never actually played Catan, but I know (laughs) I've played games that have springboarded from Catan, which is one of the reasons I kind of, I'm like, I don't really need to, you know, but like, it's great and it's great for people newer, to the hobby you know it doesn't have some weird massive you know theme to it like uh, i'm looking at title blades right now you know which is a super cool theme it's very strange there's like a, a frog on like a what is he doing is there a rocket uh, he's a kite
0: he's literally uh is it kite surfing
1: oh yeah yeah he's kite surfing he's kite surfing i see it now there's like some sand or something that's coming up that made me look Think it was like a rocket. But <laughs> yeah, like. But yeah, th- those are for, you know, people who are just getting into the hobby, you're going to look at that and go, what, what the heck is that? You it know, looks that's... cool,
0: but there's way too much going on for me it, to pick
1: this box up. Exactly. You know, whereas Katana is nice, it's simple, it's clean, and it's a relatively uncomplicated game, which mm-hmm. some of the best games are uncomplicated games. You know, I mean, one of my favorite two-player games is shobu i I would be shocked if kyle hasn't mentioned it at some point on this i'm sure he has but you know it's just this game that you're just playing with uh you know what black and a white board there's four boards you each have a dark and a light and just black and white stones and a piece of rope and a piece of rope it's super simple it's like it feels ancient, but it was designed in like you know 2017 or so, you know something crazy like that. Yeah. I'm sure it's based off of something, but it's so not. It's such a nice, like, solid two player experience that doesn't have a bunch of you know frills to it, mm-hmm. and like sometimes that's what you're looking for. You know, it doesn't all need to be Twilight Imperium. No, so. and on the adverse
0: like monopoly and such as much flack as it gets it's one of those games that if people never played monopoly they wouldn't be playing other games yeah i mean risk is still one of my favorite games i recognize that it has many flaws oh, yeah, yeah. and playing some playing so many more war games and games area control games and such i realize that risk is nowhere near top tier i mean look at katara mm-hmm. like it that's smaller and that honestly blows risk away but Absolutely. it's still – Risk is a game I will always return to because that is – for me, that was a foundation. Yeah. Axis and Allies, Risk, Fortress of like, America, like, Conquest of the Empire. Those were my foundation games that I will always go back to, but that built because, I know, growing up, I was raised by a history buff to be a history mm-hmm. buff. So taking a history-based game like Axis and Allies, Fortress America, Conquest of Empire, going back to the Romans, like mm-hmm. it's – one of those things that it builds upon something you enjoy that wants you to get into the hobby. It's like the IPs going back to Ravensburger with target. Like another thing that they, that that we were talking about earlier that obviously doesn't either help nor harm, well, it harms no more than is already harming (laughs) local game stores is they don't have those games displayed very often. Every now and then you get end caps, but they're not in places near like movies that would be relevant. Like, If you have a display of the Wonder Woman movie with the new Wonder Woman game, that's going to sell because people see it and they want to play it. But if you have it shoved in the back next to the early childhood toys, because that's usually where it is, you're not going back there to look at games if you're a casual person who likes the idea of an IP and would pick up a game like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you do sort of lose some cool opportunities there, which is unfortunate. But...
0: It's a sad way to go, but yeah. <laughs> less it is, less it is. So obviously this is where Kyle would usually throw in a weird question, but I don't do weird questions. At least I attempt to not. Um so I think we've chatted and interviewed a lot, but I think um a question I did want to ask you is what game related it doesn't have to be related to one of the publishers we spoke about. It doesn't have to be related to a foundation game that you love. But what game is your favorite game to show new people that come into the game store and to play with? Because I know you don't get to do it as much yeah, in the past year, but definitely. prior, that was your
1: thing. So, I mean, I, I change it up a lot because, I don't know, I, I occasionally, like, with my friends, we'll do, like, top ten lists and everything. And we actually just did our top ten board games last night, and... You know, I've had some games that have been like, like Spirit Island is just one of my favorites. And everybody was like, well, you know, Brent's favorite game. Mm -hmm. And it it got dethroned for a a newer one called Viscounts of the West Kingdom. So I I do have a tendency to be, like, base my favorite on kind of what I'm currently wanting to play. Mm -hmm. You know, tempering that with, you know, the like something like A Touch of Evil, which is the first hobby game I ever bought that was, you know, holds a special place in my heart, and I still play periodically. But, and that's kind of how I feel about demo games. I will jump back and forth from, like, ones that are kind of old reliables, you know, like it's never a bad thing to uh, throw out Carcassonne and, you know, start laying some tiles and showing Mm -hmm. some fun stuff with that. But I'll also, you know, one of the ones I've got right now is a game called Block Nest. That's this really silly little puzzly game that, you know, you're playing as different, like, Loch Ness monsters, kind of. And you've got essentially, like, little uh, arcs or archways that are representative of the undulating serpent body coming out of the water. And... You've got to move them around and you the goal is that you're trying to fit all of your pieces out. And if you can be the player that has the most pieces out at the end of the game, you're, you win or barring that, if everybody manages to solve that puzzle and get them all out, whoever has their head on a taller, one of those undulations. So I, I mean, that one's very tactile and interesting. So I, I, I do change it up a lot. One of my favorites to display has been a uh, flying goblin from Yellow Games, just because. I mean, you're you're literally shooting a little goblin people off of a, a a catapult. It's it's really cool. What's well, not you that. know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of dexterity games, mostly because. Oh boy! If uh, you if you were statting me out, dexterity is not on the high end for me. I, I'm I'm taking negatives to those rolls. So... Not
0: playing that uh haba game from earlier with the egg spoon. Yeah. Oh
1: my God! No. <laughs> I I I mean, perhaps I even have trouble with Rhino here. Sometimes my son tends to do better than me. But yeah, I, that one's so fun, just because like even if you miss, you're like, look how far you shot that <laughs> goblin, you know? Yeah. So. And that's really, really cool. And, like, it's also neat because you can take time to line up and try to aim your shot or just try to jam out as many goblins as possible. Because if, you know, everybody – so, like, if you say you're playing a four-player game, if three of them finish shooting their goblins, the fourth one has to take one more shot and then be done doesn't matter if they have all of their goblins left. They get that one shot. So there's a timed component to it too, which is fun. So uh, that that one's been a fun one. But yeah, I, like I said, I try to change it up. Uh, one of my ones that, it was the first game I displayed in the store here. It was Trekking the National Parks is a, a really good, uh, I don't want to say like alternative to Ticket to Ride, but it has a very Ticket to Ride vibe to it. And that one's really, really nice, because it's very pretty, you know, it's got a lot of these, like, you know, colored little plastic, you know, droplets that, you know, are there that you can collect that's part of your point accumulation as you're visiting these parks, so, yeah. Awesome, and there's nothing wrong with that, like,
0: I think definitely that's something that, especially as you get introduced to new games, I mean, Block Ness is a newer game, right? Yes. So, obviously, how would you have known about it before it existed, So you have to kind of be willing to adapt that and shift with the times while still kind of having your your stock.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you hanging out for a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Uh, It
0: it was interesting to be able to talk about game companies and such without Kyle um, because (laughs) obviously he's far more familiar with the industry than I am. And in a designer level and being involved in the industry industry, like of that nature as opposed to on the retail end like you whereas i because of the all the research i've done with the podcast and all the networking i'm more familiar with your end so it's nice to kind of be able to be on level playing ground uh (laughs) with knowing what we're chatting about so it's been a pleasure as always i'm riley parks you can search us up on any of your favorite social media platforms Uh, by searching Desks and Dorks. The YouTube.com slash C slash Desks and Dorks custom URL is now live, finally, which is awesome and fun. Uh, But yeah, look us up. And also
1: you can look up Brenton and Let's Play Games and Hobbies. So on the socials, we're at Let's Play Hanover. And our website is Let'sPlayHanover.com. And uh, if you're local, stop in the store. It's 42 Carlisle Street, Hanover, Pennsylvania, We'd love to have you come and play some games with us. Awesome!
0: I know your web store is live. You don't have shipping, correct? It's just no.
1: We're not doing shipping yet, so we do have curbside pickup and basically, you know, in store pickup. Yeah, just so
0: pay it to make sure you secure your copy.
1: Yeah, but with shipping, it's something we're working on. Awesome! Uh, It's a lot.
0: It's a lot to work through. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of figuring out what works best with costs. Exactly. Going back to the whole Kickstarter thing, it's hard to just jump into. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, as always, I've been Riley. And I'm Brent. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day.